to another week of Big Digital Energy. We do not have Big Digital Energy this morning. We're having technical difficulties with our streaming provider. They're not letting us upload videos, which Chuck is pretty distraught about. This is a sad day. Hopefully the stream's working. You know, we said, hey, we can do the show. We can. Hey, GW, we know you're watching. Go ahead and ping <laughs> us to whether you can see this or not. Yeah, we didn't know if we should do the show without the videos. We're going to have to hit up uh, GW and ask him for some advice. But seems like seems like our stream's working, so we can get in the show. Chuck's going to be disappointed that we don't have our props. So the and... incredible video that starts off is me hanging upside down like 50 well, cents. Actually, actually, we got a picture. The picture does work. Are so you able to your... put the picture yeah, up? Yeah, there you go. There's there a I picture am. picture of Chuck and 50 Cent. And uh... we're hanging upside down, looking <laughs> in the club. Da, 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 da. Chuck wanted us to see if we could rig up our ceiling for him to hang <laughs> up upside down from. I was like, I don't know what the weight uh, rating is on our ceiling, but I don't trust our old building. I'll so. take things fat guys shouldn't <laughs> do. Yes, fat old guys shouldn't do. Anyways. Let's get into this week's news. We got lots of things happening uh, across the energy industry and uh, geopolitics. So, Chuck, first, let's dive into Russia and Ukraine. Um, I know that you've been spending a little bit of time there talking to people over the last couple of weeks. Well, and last week when Brad Olson sat in for you, Brad actually was a Russian studies major at Rice. He lived in Russia during school. So his take was basically Putin's like the geek goth kid in high school that just wanted to annoy the star quarterback. And we're the star quarterback. So he's the kid that like might run out into the middle of the kickball game, take the ball and run off. But that's where Putin kind of draws the line. He doesn't actually want to get into it. So what he said is Russia does not go into Ukraine. This is He's going to figure out some way just to get something out of this, save face, rally his popularity, but not actually cross that line. It's interesting because J.P. Morgan ran a study or a survey of all the hedge funds out there, and less than 20% of the hedge funds think that Russia goes into Ukraine. So as weird as this sounds, given that Perfect information. We all know what's going on there. We're hearing what the CIA and the State Department are saying. People don't think this is going to happen. And so it may not be priced into the market, even though the narrative is we're pushing $100 oil because of this uh, pending episode. So, so what do you think happens if you know Brad's right and they don't invade Ukraine? What effect do you think that, that has on oil markets? You know, Pickering ran a survey of this on Twitter, I think yesterday or maybe the day before, and he had kind of the options of conflict, oil price goes up, conflict, oil price goes down, no conflict, up and, and then down. I have a tendency to think it's got to <laughs> be somewhat priced in, but it's interesting that survey result of people saying this isn't going to happen. You know, two weeks ago, JP Morgan wrote, I believe it was J.P. Morgan wrote a research report that said supply constraints, et cetera, could lead to $150 oil if Russia actually goes in. So, you know, if you're going to make me make a, a prediction, I say he's ultimately not going to go in and we see, you know, $10 off oil price. So bump it back to 85, but it's, 
it's really weird because all of the information's out there. And I still can't figure out why the Biden administration is sitting there saying, oh, war's coming, war's coming, when both Ukraine and Russia are saying, no, it's not. We still have time to talk. I mean, I guess is this the wag the dog scenario? Biden's popularity so low that he needs somebody else to have a war. I yeah. can't. I can't figure out what's going on with the U.S. Yeah, that is. You know, I saw some things on Twitter that were talking about the uh, perception of what's happening between Russia and Ukraine, and how the Western media is portraying it, and how it is completely different than what is actually happening in reality and so um you know I, I think that that's kind of an interesting concept too it's even with the connectivity that we have in the world today you still don't know what you know what's truly going on over there and you brought it up with you know biden posturing up you know is the american government making a bigger deal out of it than what it actually is because from everything that i've seen from russia and ukraine it sounds like you know tension isn't that high but I think these things can also probably turn 180 <laughs> degrees pretty quick too. Well, and we had a runner up this week for finger of the week. We actually had multiple of them. The runner up finger of the week is the United States government has told its citizens to leave Ukraine immediately because of war. So that's a good thing the State Department's doing. They're actually making you show a vaccine card in the embassy in Poland, if you show up, hey, we're about to be in a war over here, and then we'll let you in unless you've been vaccinated. Make sure to wear your mask. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. Hunter, what's up, my man? Hunter said, morning all. Appreciate you uh, tuning into the show, brother. So next story, we had some uh, big funding rounds in geothermal. Yeah, Chuck, we and have I know you're geothermal guy. I saw this story that Quays raised $40 million in a series a Colin back when I was at Kane Anderson, we'd look at a geothermal deal. It seemed like once a year and probably the last one I saw was 10 years ago. And what my takeaway was always as was at the utmost spikes in energy prices, whatever they are, geothermal, could generate like a 15% rate of return in that scenario. So yeah. you know a lot more about it than I do. What's going on there? Yeah. Well, first, the the technology that Quaze is using, it's a drilling technology, and they're using millimeter wave technology to drill uh, deeper, hotter formations. And you know, if you're familiar with drilling operations and geothermal and oil and gas, this has been the bottleneck for geothermal is just that we don't have the technology today to drill to those deeper and hotter depths. And so you have a lot of cool technology companies like Quays that are deep tech companies that are using, you know, cutting edge stuff to uh, drill uh, deeper holes. And this is you know, I've been meaning to write a piece on this because I've spent a lot of time over the last couple of years learning about geothermal, talking to people in the space. And geothermal is really interesting to me. But, you know, I think about things from a business perspective and uh, commercializing uh, this technology. And this is where things are really going to be hard for geothermal is that, you know, in oil and gas, say that I create a new you know, downhole tool or downhole pump. And I get over the first hump of actually developing the technology and making sure that it works. And then I get over the second hump of getting someone 
to, to uh, you know, I convince someone that, hey, let me put my tool in, in your well and get a pilot. And so, you know, getting to that point, a lot of companies died before they even get to that point. But just say that you get to that and you have a successful pilot in oil and gas, you know, how many wells do we drill a year? You know, 10,000, 15,000 wells, you know, kind of couple years ago i don't know how many wells we're drilling this year but we've regardless got like, we've got like 625 rigs running yeah right so, now, so point is you have thousands of wells to grow into there's a market to scale the technology and actually stand up a business around it what i get worried about <clears throat> with geothermal and look i'm as optimistic as they come right but i'm just trying to find a solution to what i think is a huge problem in geothermal is that this deep technology takes a ton of money to develop, right? Uh, Quay is raising $40 million in a Series A. Me, $40 million isn't a lot of money when you're developing, you know, <laughs> uh, millimeter wave technology. They're going to burn through that pretty quick. And so they're going to have subsequent uh, funding. But this technology, say, you know, it takes hundreds of millions of dollars to develop. How many geothermal wells are we drilling in the United States, you know, throughout the world? It's not many. And so there's not a ton of uh, running running room to scale and commercialize the tech. And you know, I think about that from a founder and operator perspective, because you need you know you need to be able to have something that's commercially viable, both as the technology being used in these applications, but also as a business model. And I think the business model is going to be pretty tough on these. And you brought up a good point when you know I. We were talking about that earlier. He said, well, you know, what about countries that don't have access to oil and gas, but maybe they have uh, areas that will be a fit for geothermal, you know, that maybe it's a, it's an undeveloped market that, you know, we're not really, um, we haven't really been able to quantify or measure yet. That could be possible, but I think it's a problem. So not knowing anything about geothermal and maybe, maybe you don't know this either, but Ultimately, do they need the same size hole that you need in oil and gas? Did geothermal just adopt oil and gas technology because it already existed? Because where I'm going with this is could you generate technology that potentially creates a unique pathway, if you will, for geothermal and theoretically that could be cheaper than oil and gas. Yeah, I mean, let me preface this with I'm not a geothermal expert, but hey man, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man's <laughs> king. And I have drilled a few wells and I have a lot of friends that are geothermal operators. And from my conversations with them, uh, you need a larger uh ID on your hole uh for flow. And so geothermal comes down to flow rate and which is actually really interesting because i was talking to my buddy tim who's the founder and ceo of fervo energy and he's an oil and gas guy he was a uh, completions engineer for bhp i believe and then went on to found a uh, geothermal company called fervo and they're taking oil and gas uh technology and concepts and well construction and applying it to geothermal you know they've identified some low-hanging fruit where existing oil and gas technology can help today. And what blew my mind was, you know, they're introducing the concept of casing. And I started asking, I said, these geothermal operators, you know, they didn't, they didn't use casing and apparently it was all open hole. And so that blew my mind because I never want to mess around with a, a well that's open hole and doesn't have casing. That's just a nightmare. 
but you do have some oil and gas guys um and you know they've been on our podcast oil and gas startups podcast that are taking lessons learned knowledge from oil and gas and applying it to um geothermal but i just think that you know there's going to be some real challenges you know you know like quays for example you know if they say that they developed this technology can it be used in oil and gas maybe it can i mean maybe we can drill wells faster uh more efficient but we can't drill oil and gas wells any deeper or else we're breaking the laws of thermodynamics because hydrocarbons are going to cook um, the deeper that we go. So, you know, I, I hosted this panel at a geothermal conference and the panel, or I moderated a panel and the panel was um, VC funds that are interested in geothermal. And, you know, I asked several questions about patient capital. Like you guys understand, like, you know, like, <laughs> This is a long game here and you know, people say that they do understand it, but you know, I, I think that a lot of Silicon Valley-esque investors that get into the energy game are going to have a rude awakening because everyone will abide by the laws of physics and yeah. it's a painful <laughs> game. So physics matter. <laughs> yeah. Moore's law, not so much here. Yeah. The um now, you know, when Deanna Zhang came on the podcast uh, three or four weeks ago, one of the things she said was, at the end of the day, if we want to make this transition to less carbon, we need way more shots on goal. And so my point about all this energy, instead of us fighting between solar and wind and all that, we need all of it. I mean, what yeah. is it, you know, billion and a half, two billion people actually have decent access to energy out there? There's 7 billion people on the planet, so we need it all. Yeah, I agree with that um, 100, 100%. And, you know, one thing that um, is an interesting concept, and I know we're getting a little um, long-winded here, but someone well, brought not up... Not to get long-winded <laughs> on geothermal. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but I saw someone talking about, you know, if you look at manufacturing and industry, and how reliant on energy it is, you may start seeing this shift. And it's kind of this paradigm shift of where, you know, you, let's take West Texas, for example. I think West Texas is a perfect example of this. How much energy we have coming online in West Texas through oil and gas, through wind, through solar. And, you know, you may not always have takeaway capacity for all of that energy, but you might actually start seeing manufacturing and industry start shifting closer to those energy sources. And like you look at Texas, for example, I mean, I think West Texas is going to be a leader in the aerospace industry. And so why wouldn't you have some manufacturing components to that out there? Um, we just had a, a geothermal company come on our podcast a while back, and they were talking about their geothermal asset is built directly. Um, it's connected to a factory. And so I think that you're actually going to start seeing that in the future is where some of these, you know, someone may look at building out a geothermal project and it's not even going into the grid. You know, it, it, they've created a micro grid for these different uh, industrial type businesses. And I think that that's actually really interesting. Because, I mean, I'll get these numbers slightly wrong, but I think out in West Texas, all told, you've got, what, 35 gigs of generation and only 12 gigs of trance yeah, mission take, yeah, to get away, you. Yeah, yeah to yeah. get you. So you got 20 out there. Might as well. Yeah. You know, Monahan's is actually not that bad a city. 
you know, they closed the Bennigans down. But, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you won't get the high level manufacturing executive <laughs> to move there. But, you know. Yeah, West Texas is a hard sell. But hey, look, Bezos is out there with uh, Blue Origin shooting off rockets and you got SpaceX and different parts of Texas. So um, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt if you see that start happening. But just an interesting concept to, to throw in there. I like it. All righty. So the next thing we have is the rig count more drilling did what he does every Friday and said, Chuck 22 rigs up, which <laughs> if you look back over the year, the last year, that's the most rigs we've had added to the, uh, to the rig count in a week. I got a take on it. Do you have a take on it? Um, I don't know if I necessarily have a take on it. Um, you know, capital discipline has been <laughs> the, the running theme the last uh year or so and i think capital discipline goes out the window when you start you know everyone starts getting antsy when you start creeping up the hundred dollar <laughs> oil so and can't blame them um so i don't really have a take on it but it's not surprising yeah no and so here's what i think because i kind of texted around to friends in the uh in the rig business you know, if you look back over the last year, we've added 250 rigs. So, yeah. you know, 52 weeks, call it five rigs a week. We've had some some weeks where we've added 12, 13, 14 rigs. And we've had some weeks where a couple of rigs get laid off. So the thought is you kind of look in four-week blocks, average that, and that yeah. gives you a sense for where it's going. So the sense I got talking to rig buddies was this was just a blip up. This is one of those weeks where everything fell right and you have more rigs out there. This is not an impending explosion. Mm -hmm. But the counter to that is what does Continental do this week? Our guy, Harold Ham, we're going up 40% on CapEx and we're going to grow production 15%. <laughs> now that may just be Harold. Harold, Harold doesn't care what everyone else yeah. is doing. He's going to do his own thing. <laughs> when you and the family own 76.2% of the stock yeah. or whatever uh, he owns. So I think it is something to, something to watch because the thing I'll tell you about those shale wells, and I know I'm stating the obvious here, is you get a ton of production over the first 12 to 18 months. And if you go lock that in at $95 oil right when you drill it, mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of hard not to go drill those things. Yeah. Even though the world's telling you, be disciplined, send me back cash, et yeah, cetera. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Particularly the private sense. companies. You know, you take you take Chuck Yates out of the business and the rig count falls, man. I don't know. We got a green light. It's time to go, 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 baby. But yeah, that's what... Uh little frack slap on twitter the other day said something about our secret illuminati meeting at a resort that we held he's like i don't know what happened there i said well why do you think oil prices are rallying i said <laughs> something something happened there that's funny so next story we've got is and you know what i was yesterday year old when i put together that your guys at giga probably named it giga because they were aggies not because of electricity but well, i don't know that we'll have to ask them about that for sure yeah but uh, <laughs> they got some love from cnbc so tell us about that uh story and what else is going on in bitcoin mining yeah so first off shout out to my boys uh brent and matt over at giga um probably had 10 people text me this article from cnbc about 
how these young uh, early 20s kids made $4 million last year from mining Bitcoin off of flared gas. So everyone's sending me this article and I'm like, yeah, dog, I know them. <laughs> they're my friends. <laughs> but super sharp kids. Um, love what they're doing. Uh, Brent's and, you know, he comes from kind of that old school East Texas oil field family. So actually one of their competitive edges is being able to take these old, you know, this is this is what people don't realize is that when mining Bitcoin off of natural gas, not only do you have supply uh, uh, constraints on the ASIC Bitcoin miners themselves, but you also have it on the gen sets. And so if you were to go order a new uh, generator, you know, from, you know, Cummins or whoever it is, I mean, you're looking at a year and a half, you know, out until you're getting that generator. So the Giga guys they've taken their you know blue collar background and they said hey we're finding these old uh gen sets and um rebuilding them and they can get a mining operation you know with power generation asics out in a few weeks and so i really like their uh their edge that they have but you know i sent out sent out a tweet the other day i said you know there's a bunch of old sore heads on twitter talking about how bitcoin's a scam well, the young bucks are out there making the big bucks. And, you know, Chuck, I know you've told me some stories from private equity days of, you know, you'd have these engineers or geologists uh, come to you or come to, you know, private equity looking for, you know, $300 million commitments or whatever it may be. And sometimes some of the pushback was like, oh, these guys only, you know, they're only 32 years old, you know, they only have eight years of experience. And <laughs> your response is like, guys, we've only been drilling horizontal wells for, you know, four years, you know, how <laughs> this how guy's they... <laughs> drilled more than the 57 year old. Yeah. So I love, you know, one, I get so excited about the Bitcoin mining space. I mean, anytime you get Bitcoin miners with energy guys, especially, you know, especially the guys that come from energy, oil and gas specifically, the energy is just so high in the room. And it feels, I mean, it feels to me like what it probably felt like the beginning of shill to a lot of people. Well, you know, I, I've noticed this transition because I had Marty Ben on the podcast a little over a year ago and he made me a believer. And I went to all my private equity brethren and just said, hey, guys, you need to be looking at this. And the response I got back was, well, we don't really flare any gas. We don't need that. And I kept saying, no, 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 no. The conversion of what you can do with your natural gas and actually sell it by converting it into Bitcoin is the same thing as you run liquids through the plant and you go or you run natural gas through the plant. and You go do we strip out the liquids and mm -hmm. sell the propane, ethane, et cetera, separately. You need to be doing that. I mean, I just got crickets till about six months ago. And then I got some phone calls of, hey, man, what was that shit you were saying, Yates? Was Normally that, we don't was all that crazy me. shit you were yeah. talking about? Yeah, after the fourth glass of wine, what were you saying? <laughs> and uh, now you're starting to see some engagement on that. And ultimately, at the end of the day, energy companies, particularly EMP companies, are going to lead the way on Bitcoin mining because... If you think about it, the core competency of an oil and gas company, among other things, is as soon as we have a well up, we find cheap power wherever mm -hmm. that cheap power is. And they're really good at doing that. And that's the key to Bitcoin mining. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys haven't seen it, we're throwing a, a uh, Bitcoin mining event in Houston. 
taken over downtown Houston, March 30th through 31st at Empower. And Brent and Matt from Giga will be there um, speaking on some panels, hanging out. So make sure to come check it out and uh, get to meet those guys there. Now, our favorite part of the show, we don't have our video to get us hyped up for it. But... Dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna make a great piece of micro content. Yeah, exactly. If you're listening when to this they on come audio, to camp not somebody, video. Though, yeah. Number one. <laughs> so, finger of the week. Who's it going to, Chuck? Okay, we got to go to the whiteboard on this. We haven't done this in a while. Finger of the week this week, Justin Trudeau. <laughs> and so, when we look at the scores, Senator Warren has won it four times. Justin Trudeau has won it twice, including declaring martial law in Canada this week because 10% of truckers are not vaccinated. And I know we joke about the finger of the week and all that. This is serious freaking shit. No, man. it's crazy. This man. is um, this is literally scary stuff that a Western democracy can declare martial law based on literally no science. I mean, you cannot you can still spread covid if you've been vaccinated it's a good therapeutic it will keep you from being sick but the spread will still happen and so you're literally not hurting anyone but yourself if you yeah. get vaccinated i mean the act of martial law and then giving financial institutions permission and the ability to freeze bank accounts based on sole discretion is fucking terrifying to say the least. And uh, Max uh, Gagliardi over on Twitter had a good post and I'm butchering this, but I'm going to make up my own version of it. Um, you know, Coinbase, Coinbase put out an ad, spent $14 million on this ad for the Super Bowl, right? And had the QR code bouncing around the screen and, um, you know, getting all the marketing metrics, but it was a really successful ad for them. Max said, you know, Coinbase had these ads at the Super Bowl to introduce people to crypto. Bitcoin doesn't need any ads. Canada's doing it for them. And I'd encourage people to really understand and learn about the Bitcoin protocol because this is, you got to strip, you got to strip the power away from, governments and tyrants and people that will do these types of things because it was just a conspiracy theory not long ago that social credit was going to be tied to your finances and you have a tweet or you have a facebook post that someone doesn't like and they cut off all access to resources like <laughs> that's that's happening right now No, and that is that is hit the nail on the head why we're talking about it today because in the grand scheme of things, this isn't that big a deal that 10% of the truckers are not vaccinated in Canada. The bigger deal is if they decide they don't like us for whatever reason, we're in the hydrocarbon business, they don't like our view of energy transition, they can take your bank account away. And well, that gets scary. I mean, look at how Alberta has been suppressed by their government and... You know, I saw a clip of Trudeau today talking about how much he admired China and their dictatorship and the ability to push green initiatives. And what if Digital Wildcatters was based up in Canada? And Trudeau, Trudeau's like, I don't like these guys. They're pro oil and gas. 
freeze their bank accounts, delist them off of YouTube and Twitter. And used to like, you know, used to sound like tinfoil hat uh, speak when you said that, but now it's, it's literally happening. And, um, you know, we got lots of friends up in Canada. I feel for them. Um, hopefully it, it plays out um, and everyone's taken care of, but we'll, Bitcoin uh, standard. Go we will. It. Great book. We will go on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, et cetera, and we'll post the finger of the week because I love the picture of Justin Trudeau in blackface. <laughs> I just do. <laughs> I mean, really, guys? Can't, so. can't let it die. All right, guys. Appreciate y'all tuning in today for the show. Make sure you uh, check out uh, BDE newsletter, sign up for it on Digital Wildcatters. If you're listening today, we got Energy Tech Night uh, in Houston, Heights Theater, Wednesday. I believe it's at seven o'clock. So six, six o'clock, six, six o'clock doors open, six forty-five the theater opens. Yeah, seven o'clock the show starts. It's gonna be a great time. Best fifty bucks you can spend in energy. Got free beer, pizza. Um, lots of EMPs, OFS, tech companies. It's just a good time. So we'll catch you guys there. Also check out Empower coming up in March. And we'll catch you guys next week's episode of BDE. Please write in and say we missed the videos. <laughs> <laughs>